welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 5, Final Approach. The original air date for this episode was October 27th, 1986. It was directed by Alexander Singer, who previously directed... Uh, Prodigal and Deathlock, um, and he'll come back for season two, episode twelve, Family Matter, and then he's done with the series. But he mm. did a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was written by Rob Hedden, who uh, this is the first of four Mac episodes he will write. Uh, he continues in this season with uh, Three for the Road, Birthday, and Bushmaster, and he actually also wrote and directed Friday the Thirteenth, Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so why don't we go over uh, a brief summary of the episode. In this episode, uh, MacGyver flies in to help a bunch of like troubled youths who are kind of on a, like a, I guess you could call it like a camping trip to try to like... It's like a mandated retreat. Yeah, it's like they're, they're part of this re- rehabilitation program uh, to try to like work together and, you know, do like a survival thing together so like from for camaraderie and... Um, uh, they end up getting stranded, and MacGyver has to figure out a way to get them back. Cool. And uh, then I guess we can go into this um, a little bit further in depth. Uh, this episode has a very unusual opening for me. Like, or just just for uh, it starts off with just like a whole bunch of radio air control, air traffic control chatter, right? And planes landing and taking off, and then we we cut to this extreme close up of MacGyver in a in a cockpit, and like talking about like flying and um, like all of a sudden his controls start going out the engine starts struggling and everything's fading he's just like dripping with sweat but and, it it kind of it's it's given away very quickly here what's going on yeah it, it just in the fact that we are so tight on him mm-hmm. we never see an exterior of the plane right and the planes that we did see are taking off and and landing on a tarmac like mm-hmm. it's not he's not in the middle of the wilderness like crashing from a really high height yeah uh, yeah, and we, 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 the reveal is that he's just in a simulator. I'm sorry, but you have crashed. Right. And, but even, even in a simulator, the stress of the whole situation is, has got him very upset. Even though there is like a, a wide open windshield right in front of him. And he's mm-hmm. looking at like the inside of the room that he's yeah. Well, testing I, this equipment. It looked like there was a screen in front of him. Um, it's outside of the simulator. Yeah. And but I, they never show it in the episode as oh, part okay, of the. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, so I think it's like it's supposed to be some kind of real, like a rear projection thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pete actually find we find out that Pete actually sabotaged the simulator or at least had the tech like throw as much like make it as hard as possible. Yeah, exactly. Pete Pete's purpose for his visit was that he wants Mac to work with the uh, national youth authorities, um, which sounds like like a government agency. Yeah, it does. <laughs> are you the National Youth Authorities? Yes, we are. Uh, I'll take your son. And uh, which is a, a Phoenix Foundation-run program to help uh, troubled kids who are in gangs or who are in juvenile hall. And it seems like uh, Pete and Mac may have actually started this program, or right. at least like planned a significant part of it together, um, including this whole um, wilderness campaign mm-hmm. where they would take the the kids out and like have them figure out camping and yeah. overcome challenges in the wilderness. Exactly. Like learn learn to live together and 
but it's 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 a program that you have to it seems like it's voluntary but i think because it's it's almost like a like an ultimatum like you can either do like this camping trip or you can go to back to juvie yeah and i assumed that if you do go along with it that it would probably take time off of your sentence or something like yeah that. it would count as a good behavior sort mm-hmm. of um thing but for whatever reason despite having developed the program himself um macgyver is not invited to yeah. take these kids um, even though he expressed a specific interest in it. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but now Pete's coming to him, and, like, MacGyver's just super excited. Like, he, he's he's just, like, so happy that he's going to be involved in this program. And it has another one of those, um, there's another one of the ultra-genuine moments that I feel like, like the whole uh, back in Ugly Duckling when he says the, the uh, and all for one, I can't yeah. believe you said that. Like, the this line that, that we get from, from macgyver when pete explains so look we uh you're gonna be we want you to take over the program because they got some social scientist out there and Mm -hmm. he's just tearing his hair out dealing with these kids and and macgyver kind of there's a kind of a tight face and he's making this goofy face while Mm -hmm. he laughs and he's just kind of like uh no are you serious when do i leave and it just the I don't know how to explain it, but the way he says yeah. it, like it seems like he's genuinely laughing at something while he's delivering the line. It's yeah, just yeah, a really yeah. great line. I, I actually had to like back it up and rewatch it a couple times because it made me laugh. No, are you serious? When do I leave? We kind of cut back and forth a little bit between uh, Pete and then the actual like camping trip that we're seeing. Right. Where uh, Tom Cavanaugh, who is the social scientist, right? That's how he's. Just, credited a social scientist um i guess like he's supposed to be kind of he's chaperoning but i think i guess he's also supposed to be observing the process to see if this actually is going to work out right um but he's just kind of high strung and doesn't really seem he like, has no patience with the kids yeah and uh it's, he seems like definitely the wrong person for the job but that they put him there because like he had all, Pete explains that he had all like the book strengths of like yeah you're gonna you know exactly the rules you know how to deal with this stuff but he's never actually dealt with this stuff in person so mm-hmm. he doesn't have the street sense right um but the the actor's name is uh, Gregory Itson who's playing Tom Cavanaugh um and he was actually in Law Abiding Citizen which for some reason I always think of as Bruce McGill like when, whenever I'm trying to think yeah, of a yeah, Bruce yeah. McGill movie I always go right to that for some reason um but he uh. Gregory Edson is also credited as a prosecutor in adaptation, which I'm assuming would be during the LaRoche courtroom scene when mm-hmm. he's like explaining why he stole all these plants from the marsh. Yeah. Um, yeah. He also plays the clerk at the Mint Hotel in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas um, and an English teacher in Teen Wolf. Hmm. But when you originally, when we were watching the episode and, and I had to ask you, did he, did they say his name's uh, Tom Cavanaugh? Because um, Tom Cavanaugh is, also a well-known actor in his own right. Yeah. So it's funny that this guy's uh, character name is the name of uh, a popular actor who, um, if you saw it, uh, he was on a show called Ed on NBC. He played Ed, the, the lead character. He's currently reverse Flash on The Flash. and <laughs> Only uh, runs backwards. Yeah. Um, and he played Zach Braff's older brother on Scrubs. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, he uh, is currently the co-host of the Incredible Mates podcast, uh, Mates being an acronym for uh, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks with co-host Michael Ian Black. Mike and Tom 
The two of them basically just pick a random snack off of a shelf in a mm-hmm. store, and then they talk about why Doritos are great or terrible, <laughs> and uh, and they go like even more specific into different flavors and stuff like that. They're coming up on their hundredth episode, actually. I think they're like ninety-five or ninety-six episodes oh. in, but um, it's a really funny show, and they and they have a, a lot of viewers, and and I know they're not viewers, but um, it's a really great podcast, and it's definitely worth checking out. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, you should. They are not sponsoring this show. We, we Like I said, we cut back and forth between Pete and MacGyver, and uh, since MacGyver is going to be taking over, or or the plan is that he's supposed to work with Kavanaugh. Right. Like, like yeah. they're supposed to like to team up and like help get these kids under control. Uh, I guess we can assume that uh, Kavanaugh had called in or yeah, somehow gotten a message. he must have that he was having a problem. Yeah. What's kind of weird is like there's like a – they play with time a little bit with this. Yeah. Because even though we're cutting back from MacGyver and Pete talking about going to the kids already out, um, MacGyver's already there. Right. When it's when we're with the kids, the footage and, that we're seeing of the kids. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because the because then there's a scene where he's in a plane, uh, talking to the pilot, and the pilot says he's the one who flew the kids in and yeah. they're terrible, and he doesn't envy MacGyver having to work. With right. Them. But even then, he's already there when we're seeing the kids. Right. Because we cut back to the same scene just after this fight between uh, two of the teens, Ramon and Luther. Yeah, they, and they they've got some they got some history. Yeah, they have some history, but but this particular flare up was just because uh, Ramon wanted to light a cigarette, mm-hmm. and Tom Cavanaugh said, "Don't do that," and then Luther got in his face about it and took the cigarette away. Yeah. So they start beating each other up and throw a handful of dirt in Tom's face, but then Tommy, the kid, mm-hmm. there is complaining about the food that they have, which yeah. he refers to as Zoid food. <laughs> um, and then instantly everybody's smelling brownies or like a chocolate well, cake yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like they, they, the first thing, they, like because well, here's what I have, because I do not remember this episode when we watched it. Yeah. Um, when Kavanaugh was saying, what are you doing about this cigarette? You can't, this is a burn area. I was like, okay, yeah. This is where this is gonna go, and then when they say, "Do you smell? Do you smell something burning?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, here it is! It's gonna be like a fire rescue episode oh, this of MacGyver." Yeah, he threw yeah. a cigarette into the. Yeah, and I was thinking, "Oh, you know, that's gonna be a really interesting episode." But no, it's MacGyver. He had somehow gotten gotten to them, gotten ahead of them in their trail, and then had enough time to create a fire. Yeah, he like built it into a rock formation. Yeah. He he had all this extra time. He didn't bother to come by and introduce himself or or anything else like that. He just spent all this time baking brownies. Hoping he wanted to introduce himself to them via the smell of right. brownies. Ho- hoping, I guess, that they wouldn't move from their spot for like the next hour. <laughs> right. And uh, it kind of comes off as like Tom and MacGyver as being these two divorced parents that are like fighting over these children's affections. Yeah. Like, they smell these brownies over the hill and then they go over and they're like, oh, what's going on? He's like, brownies, anyone? It's like the dad showing up to pick up the kid with a gallon of ice cream. It's mm-hmm. just like, and Tom is, of course, furious about it because he asks for help, but he still feels like this is kind of a slap in the face. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you think that this is easy. Like, how dare you? And and kind of gets mad at MacGyver and just walks away. <laughs> I stayed up all night making this Zoid food. Yeah. I, I guess, like, they were close enough to the airplane or a place where they could radio for Kavanaugh to just to storm off and go, Yeah, I can, I can take care of this. Yeah, we don't really know any more of his story, but mm-hmm. presumably, yeah, he got picked up. Like, that night when they're kind of just sitting around the campfire... 
uh, uh, Gina, who's the the only girl on the trip, right, um, starts kind of like batting her eyes at uh, MacGyver, and even comes so close as to like she puts his hand, her hand, really close on his thigh. Yeah. Like this and is, and he doesn't necessarily swat it away immediately. Mm-hmm. He like leaves it there for a second and then says, "You know nothing's gonna happen, right?" Yeah. Her. And then she gets pissed off about it. Uh, and Luther and Ramon uh, have another like little, like scuffle, and MacGyver has like this really great moment. Was like, like this moment of freak out. Was like, cool off, like or something like that. Like, yeah, he, he freaks out on him. Yeah. Time out. You can just tell that this is gonna be like a really tough couple of days. Just the, but then immediately, immediately <laughs> to, yeah. days later. It's okay. This this bothered me a lot the way that they play this. Like I don't know how you even write this in a script, but yeah, he he just loses it when the two start fighting again when Luther and Ramon are after each other, and then he just says, "Oh, it's gonna be a long two days." And then the voiceover just follows, and boy was it. <laughs> and it's like you don't need to see it. Here's us on the plane leaving. Yeah. Like, what? There were two days of history with all these characters that we totally missed out on. Yeah. Like, MacGyver learned literally nothing about them in those in those two I, days. I, I find that really hard to believe. Like, they must have been, he like... He didn't earn their trust. They spent two days with MacGyver and didn't yeah. come to love him by the end of it. That's ridiculous. Like, they, they must have been hiking and, like, they weren't just living off the supplies, right? I mean... Yeah. Because... I don't know. It just it, it 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 is a bothersome point because, like you said, MacGyver's all about trying to earn people's trust and respect, and and he wants to help these kids. He he's like he's genuinely like a uh, part of this program. And he wouldn't just be like two days went by and we made zero progress. Yeah. and I learned nothing useful to the story. Um, but to go over uh, some of these kids and their credits, um, uh, we have uh, the. The female character, Gina, is uh, played by Pamela Gidley, and she was uh, Terry Miller in a recurring role on CSI, and she also played Teresa Banks in uh, the Twin Peaks uh, Fire Walk With Me, the mm-hmm. TV movie. Um, it was a TV movie, right? Fire Walk With Me? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think it went to theaters. Uh, and the two that are always fighting with each other are uh, Ramon Franco playing Ramon, uh, who actually will come back as a different character in season four, episode two, Blood Brothers, and uh, he also had a recurring role on Weeds as Susio, but it must be one of the seasons beyond what I ended up seeing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, David Harris plays Luther, who David Harris is probably best known uh, as Cochise in the Warriors. He was one of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other kid, Tommy, is uh, Ricky Paul Golden. Um, who played uh, Scott Jeske, which is one of the kids uh, in the Matt Dillon version of The Blob. Um, and he played uh, Chris Kimbrough, which was the son of the protagonist of Piranha 2 The Spawning. Okay, the James, the, 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 James, the famous James Cameron film. Quote-unquote James Cameron film. Yeah. He was fired off of it. <laughs> he didn't quite finish directing it. Um, but yeah, that was that was technically James Cameron's first film yeah. that he directed. I much prefer Joe Dante's original. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny to see Lance Henriksen in such a terrible movie as as uh, Piranha 2. <laughs> I love Lance Henriksen. But to say, I never expect to see Lance Henriksen in a terrible movie is like... Uh, Let me just put it this way. My favorite Lance Henriksen movie is Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> wherein he, 
has a very brief cameo as the Mushroom King. I think the extent of his dialogue in the movie is, gotta love them plumbers or something like <laughs> yeah. that at the very end. Oh, man. I love Lance Henriksen, though. He's, he's a funny no, guy. I, I really think he's great, but he's done some parts that aren't so great. But I know. I'd say, like, but see, like, because I would go, like, Bishop. Right. Like, like as far as the parts, like, that are great. Yeah. That I remember. Well, that's what I mean. Seeing James Cameron direct him in such a terrible movie is what's yeah. disorienting. Um, He's like, don't worry, I'm going to make this up to you in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. You're going to play the coolest robot. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's very quickly revealed that he's a robot. <laughs> Although he prefers the term synthetic life form himself. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So, we fast forward two days to them in the plane leaving. Um, and Carl, the pilot, is losing his patience with the kids again. I guess mm. they gave him a hard time on the way in. They're giving him the same hard time on the way out. Yeah. Ramon thinks he's a, a comedian. And that because they're in this tiny um, passenger jet that he can take off his seatbelt and mm-hmm. start smoking because this the no seatbelt and smoking signs aren't lit. Yeah. and And he's really interfering with the pilot it'd be like if you're driving a car and the person in the back seat starts coming up like behind you and grabbing the steering wheel yeah it's it's really really dangerous and i don't do. know why macgyver's not more preventative of this like, yeah he, he does like sort of jump back and push him once but then he mm-hmm. comes right back up front and starts hassling yeah. the pilot again and it just seems like MacGyver really should have stepped in. Or even the other kids should have stepped in. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't want anyone harassing the pilot. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Who then instantly has a heart attack. Suffers a massive heart attack. Like, like a str- dies in the cockpit. Yeah, like he is like a stress-induced, like, you punk kids, I'm gonna uh, die. Yeah. Uh, and uh, MacGyver was and able... And he's able to land the plane relatively yeah comfortably they they pop a tire um but that's like way after they land they mm-hmm. as they're rolling to a stop they pop a tire yeah which we're actually um switching plane models very slightly it's a, a cessna 210 in the air and then a cessna mm-hmm. 206 when it lands well and, and there's like a couple of like weird little things like where they obviously didn't want to damage the plane right so they had these trees Fake trees set up to just fall over right. when the plane like yeah. brushes against he, he them. He clips one and you'd expect it to like kind of spring back up, but the whole thing just falls over. Yeah. Like, like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. <laughs> um, but uh, even though uh, everyone seems okay, uh, Ramon has actually been uh, very badly wounded. Right. And but he's, hi- he's hiding it. Right. And as far as the damage to the plane, we just have a, a pop tire and the radio shorted out. Yeah. It burst in the flames yeah. while we were in there. We're on fire! Radio's burning. But the pilot is dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids ask, you know, like, what happened? Is he wh- is he okay? And then MacGyver says, like, he's dead. And Ramon's like, get me out of here, man. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, the most obnoxious character ever. Like, oh, the guy I killed is dead? Gross. Get it away from me. <laughs> I'm a, and he's supposed to be playing like this uh, ruthless killer. Yeah, like that's the persona of his character, it, and especially like his his like rise to power within his gang. Right. Um, and we should say that they use the term gang a lot. Yeah, very liberally. Yeah, and uh, they use it just as an excuse for anything. Like, Any group of kids is a, is technically a gang. Exactly. And uh, like our gang, no. Right. <laughs> 
It's a lot like our game. Uh, but Mac uh, kind of rummages through the corpse and finds <laughs> that, that he had some medication on him. Right. I don't know what MacGyver was looking for, uh, but... Anything they could use, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he has these nitroglycerin pills mm-hmm. for like a severe heart condition, which he shouldn't have even been flying with. Exactly. MacGyver explains to, to them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, Ramon is partially to blame for yeah. antagonizing, but... And immediately Luther and Tommy are like, this is your fault, we're going to come after you, and mm-hmm. Mac has to break it up again. Yeah. So they kind of start, uh, like, salvaging what they can from the tent, uh, from the plane, right. including making a tent from a, a parachute. Yeah. Uh, which is curious that, that there was a parachute, I mean, like that there, and that, that there was only one. <laughs> right. Well, that was just for just for Carl. Yeah. He knew uh, how many passengers he had. And he knew he didn't care for them. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver will make one and those kids could die for all I care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, MacGyver makes this tent out of a parachute and mm-hmm. Gina compliments it and Tommy gets all pissed off because she's flirting with him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, MacGyver and Luther are supposed to be going hunting. Yeah. Um, they're, they're going trout fishing. Uh, right. I guess this is, this is you know, they're going to just stab these fish from the, through the water. I guess that's the plan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is tricky business, by the way. Because because of the way the water uh, refracts the light, right? So they're it, deeper than you think they are. Exactly, yeah. Um, that's always something that freaks me out when I get into like fresh water, like if I ever go like swimming in a lake or a pond or something like that. And it always seems like the 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 ground is much closer, and then I get in, and it's like, oh god, it, it's it's too deep. <laughs> I'm gonna keep falling forever. <laughs> this Lovecraftian nightmare. And uh, that night is the night that Gina tells MacGyver about. Uh, What's the going on between, between them? Yeah. yeah, between Ramon and Luther, and also between Tommy and herself. Yeah, there's there's kind of two backstories. Yeah, like Tommy and her can't be together because their gangs are currently rivals. Yeah, they're like in a Romeo Juliet West Side Story situation. Yeah, um, but and Ramon, yeah, uh, allegedly killed Luther's younger brother, mm-hmm. and so Luther is is dead set on getting revenge. I don't know why you would take these two kids out camping in the wilderness. Yeah, together. it seems like some background would have been done. Yeah, or or the fact that Luther would... I mean, I'm I'm wondering if Luther agreed to go just for opportunity. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Like, to, to get it... to get. And I guess Ramon was never charged with anything because there wasn't any evidence. Yeah. But everybody knows he did it. The next morning, we uh, were inside this parachute tent, mm-hmm. and we hear a rattlesnake uh, coming from underneath Luther's sleeping bag. Um... And Mac, Nobody like, moves. slowly backs out of the tent, yeah. like, hold on, guys, I'm going to take care of it. And it just looks like it would have been a really funny place for him to just leave and not come back. Yeah. Just, like, the, the sun sets. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes and grabs, like, a log or an old like uh, an set, yeah, from the fire to try to lure the snake out with a, a better warmth. Yeah, but he basically says the snake came in for warmth and he's going to leave for the same reason. And he puts this ember on the ground mm-hmm. and the snake starts to approach it and he sort of jabs it to the ground with a stick and then picks it up by the neck. Which yeah. actually looks like it's Richard Dean Anderson picking up a live snake. Yeah. And it's a rattlesnake. I'm sure it doesn't have teeth, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty cool. Yeah. And then you just hear like this kind of like ka-ching yeah, outside. Yeah, very, very clearly smashes the snake with a rock. Yeah, and he says, well, we got lunch, breakfast taken care of or something like that. Right. And then he goes to wake Tommy up, 
and realizes that Tommy's sleeping bag is filled with hay or which, straw or whatever. Which is so weird because obviously everyone in that tent would have seen him stuffing a sleeping bag full of hay. Like he had to go out and find hay in the middle of the night in the dark. And he was already out. Like, why not just leave? Yeah. Uh, Since they're obviously going to figure out the second they wake up. Mm hmm. Uh, Tommy has tried to has run off with like a backpack of supplies and is trying to make his way out of the the mountains on his own. But his intention is also to get help for yeah, them. or at yeah. least that's he claims later mm-hmm. that he he intended to try and find help. Yeah. Um. um but uh, uh, he must hike very slowly, or he might have just left mm-hmm. because MacGyver catches up with him almost instantly. Right, and he he's forced to he asks Luther and Ramon to make sure nothing's going to happen. Right. While they're while he's gone. Because they can't all three go because that would they should have all three gone. Yeah. Yeah, there there's actually no reason that they all couldn't go. Yeah. But um so MacGyver, yeah, like you said, he catches up with Tommy really fast and Tommy panics like like he's gonna outrun him with the pack. Um and falls off a cliff basically. Yeah, oh it's a like, really bad fall. It's a it's a rough landing, which I'm surprised doesn't lead to any kind of an injury for his character. Mm-hmm. Um, but he lands right in a, a cougar mountain lion's den Yeah. who has just made some kind of fresh kill and like is adamant about protecting it. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, it's like, it's like stock footage of the, the mountain lion from one angle, but then like this weird, there's another angle that's like from behind the yeah. mountain lion that it looks like a real mountain lion Yeah. and it, it looks like it's making a growling face or something mm-hmm. at him. It looks it, like, it's like ears are back, off. but I can't tell like where it is spatially right like yeah. it almost seems like like he might be behind a piece of glass or something yeah maybe i don't know um depending on how tame the thing is yeah um so macgyver makes like this really elaborate uh like aqueduct like for some reason yeah, up but a- macgyver's watching from above as mm-hmm. this happens and he just says like all right hold still and then he leaves and I assumed he was going to be like, the mountain lion came for a corpse, so we're, it's going to leave for the same reason. And then he just dumps the pilot's body over the top of the cliff. <laughs> but uh, that's not what happens. He finds this, like, rotted out log, mm-hmm. and all that's left pretty much is the bark. Yeah. And he uses it to, like, redirect a, a little stream Which is off like, a cliff. Yeah, like, he's up on top of a pile of rocks, but there's, like, a stream or a pool that he's dammed up... Uh, Enough that he can build up some pressure to run the water off this log. Yeah. The remake of Homeward Bound had been invented yet. Right. Where they spring the cat off of, <laughs> like, a they seesaw. Or th- or throw the cat off a waterfall. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crazy stuff in there. That and Milo and Otis, I'm pretty sure, killed about a dozen cats. So that's, uh, that's what you wanted to hear about today, folks. Yeah. <laughs> These charming family films. Uh... So while MacGyver's dealing with this with Tommy, uh, Luther's like sharpening some kind of shiv that he's right. you know, like a piece might have been a piece of the plane. Uh, Gina tries to step in to, to make sure it doesn't nothing happens, but you know he just kind of like he basically like like machismos like it's like this isn't a woman, this isn't a woman's business or like you better step away from this girl. Yeah. Um, and, like, Ramon knows what's coming. Don't jive me. Yeah. Uh, Ramon knows what's coming, so he's already tried to get a head start, but 
we can we're seeing more and more now that he's actually injured. Yeah, it's starting to affect him. Yeah, and uh, so Luther's just kind of like coming up behind him and like just sneaking up on him, and uh, and when MacGyver comes back to the camp, it's just Gina. Mm-hmm. And she's at first like trying not to tell him, but then you know she MacGyver convinces her that. You know, tells him she that. needs to continue to be the the good snitch she's been this whole time. Yeah, and she just says Luther went after him. He's gonna get Ramon. Yeah, and then MacGyver is able to intervene just in time. There's a really weird cut here when when MacGyver catches up with them. Mm-hmm. Basically, Luther has Ramon down on the ground in front of a tree, and he's got this knife over his head. And Max running up to them, and he stops, and he goes, "Luther, don't do it." And then. You cut to the reverse angle, and he's like two feet behind Luther. But it mm-hmm. sounds like, from the way he yells it, that he's like thirty feet away. Yeah. And then they cut to the other side, and it's like, oh, you're like right there. <laughs> like that would have. That's weird that you yelled it like that. Luther, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, you're right there. You're right behind me. <laughs> um, and then uh, we see Luther drop the knife and just stab it into the ground next to mm-hmm. his head. And then MacGyver's like, oh my god, are you okay? Because MacGyver knows something else is going on. Yeah. Uh, and that's when, like, MacGyver discovers, like, the injuries. He makes, like, a like a stethoscope out of a whole bunch of, like, plain bits. Which, to me, is, like, dangerous for what's coming up later in this episode. That they start cannibalizing the plane already. Yeah. Because one of the things, like, he asks them to get is, like, a chunk of ho- hose from the oil, the yeah, oil yeah, yeah. line. It's like... Uh, Not to mention the first thing they pulled out was the parachute. So yeah. now there's no parachute in the plane. I can't remember at this point in the episode if we've seen Pete talking to like the park ranger service. Um, uh, it, that that comes very quickly here. Yeah. Um, uh, Mac realizes Ramon was hurt in the crash. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he tells Tommy and Gina to pull all the tubing out of the plane. Um, and he deduces basically that Ramon had nothing to do with, with Luther's brother's death. Right. And then we cut to... Yeah, Pete back at mm-hmm. the uh, place, and he's he's just telling everyone that, uh, you know, we need to check here, and we need to check widen the search and everything. Yeah, like he, he's kind of, like, arbitrarily putting pins on a map. Yeah. Um, this map, by the way, has flags all over it. Yeah. Like, the, Pete's having them check way too many places. <laughs> there are 50 places that they could be. <laughs> so um, let's check 600 of them. But I think it's just to show that... Uh, people are in fact yeah looking. somebody cares and they're looking for him yeah 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 and uh, uh macgyver is is listening to um his uh ramon's chest and says that his bowel sounds are almost gone mm-hmm. which is an indicator that this is a, potentially a, a punctured spleen and that he's having like he's bleeding out internally yeah um and he says they'll have to get him out in the plane <laughs> and then the kids like react like are you kidding? What a crazy person. This is ridiculous. And the plane is perfectly fine. The only problem is it has one flat tire. Yeah. It's just weird that they're so convinced that, oh, seriously, what's wrong with this mm-hmm. guy? But um, the plane is actually really involved uh, in not only like uh, modifying the plane, but this whole plan for the runway. Right. Uh, because... He decides he needs 300 yards for a smooth takeoff, mm-hmm. which and... is a long... Yeah, that's a long really, really, really long. Um, Especially when they're having to dig this moat by hand three football fields long. The, it would take all day. Yeah. It would take, it would take all, more than two people. Yeah. Um, and then they have to, like, start dragging mud 
uh, and water up to like to make like a like an oil slick kind of thing. Because the plan is to remove the flat wheel mm-hmm. and then put like a toboggan type thing on the front of the plane. Yeah. So that they can slide it along this muddy Mo- moat. Right. That it would be slick enough that they would be able to run the plane to take off speed. In the meantime, Luther kind of sneaks into uh, Ramon's tent to have like a final confrontation with him. Right. And basically, uh, Luther tells Ramon he's going to die in order to elicit a, a confession. Right. And uh, this is when we find out that Ramon didn't actually kill Luther's brother that uh, some uh, drug dealer did when uh, Luther's brother was trying to buy, uh, I guess, I think it was crack, I, I want to say. Um, yeah, something like that. From a junkie. Yeah, it was like, it's like, well, why would you buy from a junkie? <laughs> well, junkies are going to have it, but they're typically not interested in selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Luther's brother ended up getting killed by this junkie and then, and, but Ramon just took the credit, like, because like Luther's in a rival gang and, you know, you killed... made him a Pachuco and yeah. Also, uh, before he even admits to that with Luther, like, uh, MacGyver makes him second guess it by telling him the story about this kid that he went to school with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just says that everybody knew this, this kid stole stuff, uh, Andy, Andy Jarrett or... But he's he was a junior safe cracker in high school, and uh, he stole things from lockers all the time. And then when MacGyver's uh, Swiss Army knife went missing, he was sure this kid took it and just hit him in the face without even talking to him yeah. about it. And then Luther's like, "Well, you got your knife back, didn't you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I did. When I got home, it was right where I left it on my desk." <laughs> and it's just like, maybe you should check your facts before you do something you can't yeah. undo. And that's when Luther goes in to talk to. Um, Ramon, but yeah, <laughs> and he says that he tried to buy drugs off a junkie, which of course the junkie's going to kill you because he's on crack. He's crazy. Yeah, he wants your money and the drugs back. Yeah. yeah. Um, MacGyver's part of the plan while uh, Gina and Tommy are like hauling rocks and digging holes. Oh, Tom, but... Tommy's actually not even doing that much of the work right now. She's doing all the heavy lifting at the moment. He's just like looking through this thing that MacGyver built out of her, her earrings. earrings. Yeah. Um, Luther comes out of the tent and just like sits by a tree and kind of like has like these weird. <laughs> yeah, he's having he's he's on a lot of drugs and he's having these flashbacks to the conversation he just had. It's like it, it's literally maybe a minute has passed and yeah. he's reliving this horrifying moment, having like a fever dream. Yeah, and he's like sweating and like and he's hearing everything and, like, MacGyver said and everything Ramon said, and he's just like shouting and crying mm-hmm. as he's like leaning against this tree not helping them dig this enormous moat yeah um we cut back to pete at this point and he's on the phone with someone complaining that this search is is not turning anything up and that his best friend is out there and he's just freaking out meanwhile the 300 yard runway is finished mm-hmm. like um, covered in mud yeah and, and luther eventually does come around yeah it, and and he, he gets like the last yard of, of mud he's like yeah he's like oh we did it everybody yeah we all, all contributed this <laughs> uh and also where did mac get the planer that he's using to like smooth in the like he, yeah he really he spends all of his time hollowing out this log and drilling these perfect holes to flip slip the bolts for the plane wheel in yeah but it's just, it seems like he would need more tools for that than he has. Yeah. Like, it seems like almost like the duct tape would be enough. Yeah. Like, you take the wheel off, now just, like, put, like, 
18 layers of duct tape on this. Yeah. I feel that's it probably going to be. It doesn't be. need to go undergo that much pressure. All it is is mm-hmm. something for you to lean on and slide on yeah. while you reach takeoff speed. Um, but the search party uh, back with Pete concludes that they've landed way off course. And mm-hmm. I don't know why they were so far off course because yeah. they really only lost control of the plane for a minute. Yeah, and it was mostly in a dive during that time. I'm wondering uh, if maybe the the pilot was specifically taking them off course, like he planned this whole oh, thing. Uh-huh. Like he was having like he was having like that that feeling in his left his left hand. It's like, oh man, it's I'm like, not gonna oh, make this it back. Tangle, I'm finally gonna get to contribute to society by killing a bunch of children. <laughs> and um, MacGyver. And MacGyver. But yeah, and so MacGyver. Now that this the runway is finished, he can leave with with uh, Ramon. Right. Before. But- he gets hurt. Well, yeah, because um, they need they can't take everybody because they need to keep the plane as light as possible. Right. Um, because the, MacGyver saw on the interior of the plane like that the what the takeoff weight limit is. Right. And so he says, well, since we have such a short runway, three football fields, not long enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, he can only carry remote, and they have to like try to get as much other stuff out as possible. Yeah. Um. And so you know the the plane like this starts up and it kind of goes down like this slick runway and, and well of course off. it takes off yeah. and there's a couple of cool shots where you actually can see that there's something on the front of this plane yeah yeah they did attach um, something to it yeah um so and like ramon is just ecstatic that they've taken off and yeah he's like appreciates that they're gonna get where they're going and macgyver says well not quite yet i gotta radio the airport and we gotta tell them to to Foam uh, up the runway. Foam up the yeah. runway, which I'm not sure how they're going to do with a dead radio either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, and, and Ramon is getting in really bad shape when he says, like... We can land on the moon. We can go to the moon. <laughs> you can tell that, that blood loss is really affecting his brain process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just kind of like cuts to... Uh, it seems like this is going to be the end of the episode. Yeah. But then I guess... After they finished the first cut, they were like, are people going to think that they left all these kids in the wilderness? Like, mm-hmm. that he only cared about saving one of them, and the other kids had to make their own way and form a society in the woods? Um, I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's probably what happened. But Because it fades to black. Right. It fades to black like either an end or a commercial break. Right. Um, which <laughs> which would have been like a fifth act to this story. Right. Which really it is. Yeah. Um, because it's just it's just a helicopter landing. Which it happens again next week at the end of the episode. It, yeah. And it feels, again, like, oh, are people going to understand this ending? Let's spell it out a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, yeah, they arrive via helicopter, and they, they ask about Ramon. And they're like, oh, Ramon's going to be fine. He's going to live on a farm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't worry other... about it. We can't produce any evidence, but he survived, <laughs> and he has children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, and there's like a there's like a it's like a like a touching line like he's gonna be okay. I think everyone's gonna be yeah, okay. Yeah, he, he says, "Looks to me like they're all gonna make it." Just completely <laughs> ignoring the the fatality of this mission. Yeah, that the poor Carl is out in the woods somewhere because he buried. made the plane too heavy. I'm sure he's not even buried. Well, he, MacGyver buries him just by himself. Yeah, like or like it's one of those it's one of those kind of graves where it's like a shallow grave with a pile of rocks. Right. But um. And they I'm accidentally sure... dug him up when they were getting mud for the moat. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I shouldn't uh, have buried him right in front of the plane. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they buried him to to not attract wildlife. Buzzards. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to keep the buzzards out. A dead body brings buzzards. But then we can attach lines to all the buzzards and fly out of here. 
that would work. I'm surprised they didn't consider that. They work for James and the Giant Peach. That's right. Um, <laughs> you forget how many people get murdered in James and the Giant Peach until <laughs> someone brings it up like that. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of this episode. Yeah, this episode I feel was is very much like a PSA. Yeah. Of like one not being in a gang, and uh, two not killing people's little brothers. I guess. Yeah. Don't um, kill brothers and and uh, don't kill people unless you're sure that they killed your family. Like mm-hmm. that's that's one of the other weird lines about the lecture that that McGavry gives Luther. It's like, are you really sure that he did it? And it's like, what if Luther was sure? Yeah. And it's like, what if what if Ramon did do it? Then does that mean that he has carte blanche to go kill this guy? Yeah. It's like, well, he actually did kill your little brother. You kind of but should kill him. I look the other way. Yeah. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge if you gotta kill this guy. He's probably gonna die anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it's it's an interesting episode. Like I get what they were going for. Um, I think that they could have handled it a little bit differently. Sure. Um, I think I think it's too heavy-handed with the murder plot. I think like the 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 brother the brother's death. Yes. Uh, I think that had it been just like a scary situation where they are still stranded, but they do have to come together, it still would have worked. It still would have been effective. Yeah. Um, I think that adding this this that I'm gonna kill this guy story makes it a different story. Yeah, and and I also feel like the star-crossed lovers thing between Tommy and and Gina is a little bit yeah juvenile. I mean, I know th- these are juvenile delinquents, mm-hmm. but it still feels like weirdly immature because they are the actors are a little bit older playing yeah, younger, yeah. and so it just feels like no, I can't kiss you. You're in a different gang, and it's just mm-hmm. like really like that's not that doesn't seem like a real thing. Yeah. But it also feels very warriors that way, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. which is funny that they that they have coaches in here because it just feels like, like, she's in the the Lizzies and he's in the Warriors and they yeah. just can't be together. But it's like, <laughs> this isn't that's not really how the yeah. world works. I was in a gang, people. Don't <laughs> tell me how the world works. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe that's exactly how it works. If we have any Crip or Blood listeners, yeah, if like you could let us know what happens if you're in love with someone from the other side, mm-hmm. and how do you color coordinate? <laughs> What's the wedding gonna be like? Yeah, what is the wedding gonna look like? That's it. Seems like that would just be a real awkward event. Yeah, it's it's like the stuff that MacGyver the MacGyverisms in this episode are pretty. Like, I think the plane fixing it is is the best one, but um, like obviously like baking brownies and making a stethoscope like i don't really think he needed to make a stethoscope to know that he needs to get ramon out of there right it, i don't it, think he needed her earrings so that they could line up it, posts yeah you could look at the first post and see that it's lined up to the next mm-hmm. one and so on and he probably could have just scooped the water with that log at the mountain lion and that would have been enough too and he probably could have used that same log instead of carving a whole toboggan <laughs> for the next yeah. six hours <laughs> while the kids dug mud there's a lot of stuff that seems like it wasn't necessary. And I'm pretty sure he leaves the parachute with them when he leaves with Ramon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, because he can't, he opened it up. It's like, those, those things are hard to pack. Yeah. And that's about it for this episode. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us with any comments or thoughts on this or future episodes, um, you can find us on Twitter, at uh, Opening Gambit. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. 
And you can always find us on our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Uh, Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 6, Jack of Lies. Very important episode. Finally getting to someone who we've been waiting for for a long time. So that's an important one. Um, Set your DVRs to record our podcast. It's probably a thing. It can be done. This is We live in the future. Set your DVR to record (laughs) this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.